Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Growth League, a podcast at the intersection of personal and professional growth. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday, I seek out remarkable women leaders, and we uncover their rule for growth. These rules are like shortcuts to success, and hopefully you and I can use them to save some time and heartache on our way to achieving what's possible. This week's rule from our guest, Vicki Lynn, is don't set tactical goals for transformative changes. This episode is brought to you by Influence & Co., a woman-owned content marketing agency that specializes in helping B2B companies like mine create, publish, and maximize content that drives measurable business results. To find out more about Influence & Co. and the many projects we've done over the years together and the services they offer to thought leaders and companies that are interested in inbound lead generation, visit influenceandco.com slash growth. This week's rule from Vicky was such a paradigm shift for me. When we're trying to achieve new goals, especially if they're big, it can be easy to just think of all the tactical things that we need to do. Oh, I'm going to do this many of this thing by this date, and I'm going to hit this number. But as you'll hear, Vicky has a much more fluid approach to accomplishing her big, hairy, audacious goals. And I actually really prefer this approach. Vicky spent nine years at Google and then six years at Stripe, where she built out the sales and marketing team and then led the compensation team. Vicky considers herself a generalist and a builder, and basically anytime they needed a new team, they would call on her to put it together. And one of my favorite things about Vicky is that she thought she was not qualified enough to be on this podcast, but I convinced her otherwise, and I'm so glad I did. Here's Vicky. Vicky, thank you so much for joining us. Thank today. you for having me, Diana. I want to kick things off with a story. So, Vicky, in your career, has there ever been a time when a boss, a mentor, somebody who believed in you said or did something that gave you courage, gave you wings, made you like 10x, whatever came next? I once applied for this director job at Google and it was on paper, a great opportunity. So many, there's so many talented people at Google. And, and I distinctly remember this. I was one of the final four candidates for this job and I didn't end up getting it. And I let one of my mentors know and she immediately responded and said, I really, really can't believe they didn't hire you. And it was her reaction that just gave me the perspective of look like, this is one job. It was one decision. This is not an indictment on me and my like future career opportunities. And it just didn't happen to work out this time. But in the future, it will. And so, you know, that was really important to me that I got that kind of support at that moment when I was feeling down and doubted myself. You know, I love getting to know people in the show by kicking off with this segment. But really, I put this in here because I have a brand new daughter and I, I long to be the kind of person that says these kinds of things that helps her get to the next level. And so I'm trying to collect these statements. And this is a great addition 
So you took the the next step of evaluating yourself and what else you should be doing. And I know that as we talked before the show of what advice you would give to young people in your organization, one of the pieces of advice you had was invest in developing deeper self-awareness. And I'm curious what you meant by that and how that played into that position and the others. You know, early in my career, I would have said, oh, I know exactly what I want to do and I, I want to be in tech and I want to run a big team. And over time, I've learned like there's there's so many aspects of a job or career or life situation that can combine to make that moment great or can be sort of detrimental to what you want to be doing at that point in time. And as you experiment with different, changing different aspects of of your job, of your personal life, of your work situation, I think that's when you really start to learn like, okay, these things have to be there no matter what. These other aspects, like sometimes if they're there, that's okay. But sometimes if they're not, that's okay. It's like a recipe, right? Like you have to have like the right balance of ingredients for yourself. And and the, the more you know about yourself, the easier it is to kind of predict, you know, what type of flavor profiles will work for you. So I love all those like online, like personality assessments. I've taken almost like every single <laughs> one of them. I'm always recommending them to my friends because I think it's just another tool to like help you get to know yourself better. I feel like what you're talking about, like getting to know yourself is the secret to kind of taking charge of your career. Like the better you know yourself, the more likely you are to make the next move instead of having the next move kind of happen to you. Do you feel that way? Yeah. And I would also say a lot of times it's less that you're making the move, but when the move presents itself, you actually are ready and willing to take the risk. Because anytime you make a move, you're oftentimes moving away from something, right? You're moving away from something that probably is working okay. And, you know, because you you would have abandoned it if it wasn't. And so, you know, to actually move to something new is always taking a risk. It's giving up something. You know, there has to be a hypothesis of like, oh, there's something new in this new opportunity that could change this recipe and make it something that I enjoy even more than what I'm doing right now. I love thinking about about it that way. So you received this review from an employee on so like one of your LinkedIn reviews, and it says, this is an unsolicited recommendation. Vicky's one of the best managers I've had in the last 10 years. She's very caring about her team and extremely capable. I remember thinking that the probability of me leaving the company while she was my manager was almost zero. <laughs> so there, you know, on LinkedIn, there is like, I would recommend working for Vicky. And then there's this, I want to know, what are the habits that you've put in place as a leader that get this kind of unsolicited feedback? You know, it's funny. That one came actually pretty early in my career, which I felt very fortunate to receive it. And one of the things I've always prioritized is just like bringing my full self being, you know, authentic human being to work because ultimately like... That's what we all are. I think it's very easy, especially as like an early manager to put up this sort of artificial layer of like, I am now a manager and <laughs> you must do what I tell you to do. And I have this like kind of, I represent the corporate company. And I think ultimately, like, you just have to be human. And, you know, we're all, I may, you know, technically have this manager role because I have a little bit more experience. And for HR purposes, you know, somebody has to, like, be in the system as your manager. But we're all just trying to, you know, I'm trying to do this and your job is to do that. Like, let's work together and how do we help each other? 
I think just being yourself and being very open about what your objectives are, what your goals are, and then being very invested genuinely in their success, right? I've always tried to be very clear with people on my team that, look, like part of my job is to be, you know, do the job that we need to do and make this company successful or make our team successful or whatever it is. And then the other part of my job is to make them personally successful, right? And where the two are aligned, great. And like, we're off to the races. And where the two are actually different and on divergent paths, like, that's okay. And like, we are sophisticated human beings and we can compartmentalize and be like, okay, this is the thing that we're doing to make the company or the team or the project successful. And this is what we're doing to make sure that you're successful. Now, you shared before the interview that there are some areas that you are looking to grow over the next year. I feel like we all have a long list of these. Do you mind sharing those now? Oh, yeah, of course. So my biggest goal, actually, at this phase of my life is to spend more time with my kids. They're 10 and 12, and they're an age where they still sometimes want me around, but not always. (laughs) So I'm just trying to take advantage of some of those moments. So part of achieving that goal is actually taking a big step back from full-time work and my career. But then sort of as part of that, I'm just, I've kind of got a secondary goal of exploring different types of work and how that feels and am I good at it? Do I find it fulfilling? So I've taken on some nonprofit consulting work. I'm doing more volunteering. And for me, it's all about, again, like running these experiments on the thousand variables that matter and like what's the combination of things that will allow me to feel fulfilled and engaged and excited on a daily basis. And it's not just work, but it's like work plus personal life. And how does it all come together at this phase? So then again, tied to all that, my sort of third goal is to use this opportunity to get in better physical shape for the long term. And for me, that's adding a little bit more into my exercise routine. I'm trying to get better at swimming. So it's an actual form of exercise. It's not just gasping for air after one (laughs) lap, uh, which I don't think counts as swimming. My husband and I have talked about getting into pickleball, which hasn't happened yet, but we have started watching pickleball on TV. Oh, you're almost there. Almost there. <laughs> so close. <laughs> but yeah, it's again, like for me, it's all about what what are one or two things I can add and tweak that get me a little bit closer to, you know, feeling like I'm taking full advantage of my time. So how do you make sure that you don't have the same goals next year? What is it that you do to kind of pull them out of the what if possibilities and add them to your this week? Yeah, I think with your life, it can be very easy to set tactical, technical goals. Like I'm going to walk 10,000 steps a day or even for me with my swimming, I'm going to go swimming and swim like 2000 yards or 2000 meters a day, right? And my philosophy is that if you're going to make meaningful changes in your life, setting tactical goals may not be the right step. If it was like an easy change to make, I would have already made it, right? If it was easy for me to say to spend more time with my kids, I would have done it, right? We're all smart people. Like the easy things are easy to do. So if it's like a really hard, meaningful change, it isn't just about like setting an arbitrary goal and then like forcing yourself to achieve it despite, you know, it being super painful or you are. And I personally would just hate myself if I was just like, I have to swim, you know, it becomes more of a burden than yeah. anything, right? So it's more for me, again, like, what is the, what is my big overarching change I want to make? I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to feel better physically. 
okay, like maybe it's swimming, but maybe it's not. Maybe like three months from now, I'm going to be like, I actually hate this. It's super cold. Like I don't like being wet (laughs) all the time. I'm going to try something else. I still have that goal. I still have like, again, my overall goal of feeling healthy, but I'm not tied to like, oh, now I have to go go swimming because I set this goal and like I have to achieve that goal. So for me, I'm hoping like actually, you know, a year from now, I learned a lot. I will have certainly learned like whether swimming was for me, whether like nonprofit consulting is like is working is like I feels like it feels like I'm engaging my mind enough, but I still have time for my kids. But I will have like left it open enough to like enough variables, enough testing to have found the right combination of things for me to actually achieve that overall goal. It almost feels like you're saying, okay, if you have a big audacious goal, create a list of smaller things you want to learn about that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have any kind of, again, I'm going to ask you about processes and systems, any kind of a regular place where you stop or are you just going on gut feel like, you know, I want to stop now or I'm going to try this for three months and then reassess anything like that? I'm like, I like a weekly plan, right? It's like, okay, when, what are my workout times for this week? What are my work block, my deeper work blocks? What are all the kids activities that I want to make sure I'm there for? I like to think in like thirds of my time, like a third of my time I'm spending recruiting and hiring for the team, a third of my time I'm spending with customers, a third of my time I'm doing like kind of internal team building stuff. And so that, again, also helps keep you on track of like, yeah, I have this bigger goal, but also I think like splitting my time because ultimately your time is the most valuable thing when you're, you're trying to achieve any audacious goals. How you spend your time is your biggest lever. So just making sure it's in the right buckets. And then, yeah, like, yeah, maybe that that workout bucket is not working for you and you're finding like it's a kind of a drag and you don't have energy. It's time to mix it up. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I saw my husband, Jason, getting such great results from them. And one day I just asked to try one of his packets, a scoop, and I haven't looked back since. So what's in this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And it costs you less than $3 a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com growth. Again, that's athleticgreens.com growth to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We could all use a professional mentor to help guide our careers, but it can be hard to find somebody in real life who fits the bill. That's where Modern Mentor steps in. Every week on Modern Mentor, host Rachel Cook gives straightforward answers to complex questions to help you navigate the workplace. Whether you've just landed your first job or you're 40 years in, this podcast will help you take the next step for your career. Check out Modern Mentor on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. So what do you think is going to give you the most trouble in achieving these goals over the next year? Where do you kind of get in your own way? 
Yeah. Um, so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> We're our own worst enemies always. One is it is very easy to fall into the trap of being defined by what you do. Like you said in my intro, like I was at Google for a long time and it was a great company and I was there for many reasons. But I have to tell you, one of the reasons was it was very easy to explain to people what I did. I work at Google. <laughs> They're like, yes. I know everything I need to know about you. You're awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. My grand, my grandmother would, you know, I didn't have to explain what I did and why, what I was doing. I was just like, I work at Google. And she would say, oh, oh I have this problem with my Gmail. Can you help me? <laughs> I did not work on Gmail. But I did help her. So, you know, when I sort of stepped back from full-time work, my biggest fear actually, and one of the things I was working on with my coach at the time, I was like, if I leave this job, like my biggest fear is just I'm defined by my job and my role, right? And so if I'm not, you know, my last role, my last full-time role was at Stripe. If I'm not at Stripe, like who am I? I'm nothing. I'm no one, right? And you know, like when you actually say it out loud, like, oh, of course that's ridiculous. Like I'm <laughs> I'm not nobody, right? But I think in the professional world, it's very easy to define yourself by what you do. It's always hard to start from scratch, right? To like tackle something that's new, that's different, that you've never done before. You know, I've never done consulting really. I've never done nonprofits. I don't know a lot about it. There's anytime you do something, there's a chance you're not going to be good at it. It's, you know, it's funny. It's not easy. It's not easy kind of doing, going on a different path than you've gone for a lot of your life. Do you have a, a mantra or a practice or something that you tell yourself? when it's not going well or like you know just even if I'm not good at it that doesn't mean I'm not good <laughs> just means like this is one thing I might not be good at you know I think this is where my family really keeps me grounded my girls are they don't really care if I'm good at my, I mean they don't care if I'm good at my job right they care like what's for dinner are you picking me up from soccer practice so if something's not going well with my work or, you know, outside of me being there, making sure I'm on time for soccer practice and I haven't forgotten their cleats, you know, it's it's very grounding, right? It helps you remember that life is is not about your last performance review and whether your manager thought you did a good job on that project or whether that presentation went well, whether you were able to convince the client to sign up for the service at the price that you wanted them to sign up at, right? So... I also think, you know, this last 18 months, two years, how long has it been that we've all been, many of us have been stuck at home? You know, it's, I think it's a good reminder that life is short. I know it's such a cliche, but that there's a lot of stuff going on and, you know, it can be very easy to and important to focus on how things are going for you. And, you know, again, like what happened that week at work that was good and bad, but ultimately in the grand scheme of things, it's you know, it's sort of a drop in the bucket of what really matters. I think you're describing a practice of zooming out. You know, you could get so sucked into like the thing that happened. And I find it's hard for me to do. I want to focus on the thing that happened today that I feel terrible about. But like zooming out always makes me feel better. All right, speed round. Okay, a big oops Sometime in your career, something you messed up, fell down. You don't have to tell me a story of you literally falling down, although people have done that before on the show. But whatever it might be, and then what you took from it. 
you know, for me, public speaking has always been an area that has not been my favorite. <laughs> and when public speaking is not your favorite, uh, you try to, especially early in your career, you try to avoid it as much as you can. But you get to a point where you can't avoid it anymore. And I definitely, I think it was at Stripe. I had to do an, an all-hands presentation. It did not go well. It was, I hope there's no recording. I'm sure there's recording somewhere. But, you know, it just wasn't a great presentation. And it, it was from in front of the whole company. The CEO, I'm pretty sure, said something to my manager of like, what is going on here? And it was it was bad enough that I knew that it was really, really bad. And so, <laughs> you know, I went into the next one-on-one with my manager, basically like, I know, but I don't I don't know what to do. And she's like, okay, let's get you some help. Like, you got to go to these trainings. And it still is something that I don't love, but I did invest in it. I took a lot of trainings. I became good friends with one of the trainers that was in the course. For me, it was hardest because it was not something you could just like study up on and just get smarter about. And then you would do, you could you would be better about it. It really was like a performance and you had to embrace it as a performance. And it was just very counter to kind of what things I had been strong at in my career up until that point. But it was something I ultimately had to face. And I think that's the key to growth also is you kind of just have to face yeah. those things that you that you have to learn at some point and you can try to avoid it, but eventually they will come around. Do you have a strongly held belief that's weird that would make for a fun dinner debate? I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. Oh, tell me about that. It's tied to what we were talking about before, which is I think if you have to, one, use an arbitrary date in the calendar that happens just to be, you know, when, you know, you change over from one year to another. And usually New Year's resolutions are very tactical. It's like, I'm going to go running every day. I'm going to, you know, not eat candy. It's like, why is this random thing that you decide to commit to because of a calendar really going to make a meaningful difference in your life? I do think like it is important to, again, step back, assess what you want to change about what's going on, and then figure out a couple of different things that you could try to play with to make that change. But I also think like, Again, to make meaningful changes, you may you may not even be identifying the right problem. Like if if my goal had been I want to exercise more, the reason I'm not exercising more is because I'm putting everything I can into like making my career successful, being there for my family, basically because I'm not in the right headspace to actually exercise more, right? And for me to get in the right headspace, I've got to change a whole bunch of other things to be able to be like, okay, yes, I feel good about like going for that run because. I don't have as much work stress and, you know, I've spent time with my children already today. And so now I actually have spent too much and I need to get away from them. Like I've changed all the other things in my life so that I actually have room for exercise. And like, again, setting a new resolution that I'm going to like force myself to go running every day, even though I hate running, um, <laughs> is not a way for success in the long term. Is there a way for us to turn this into a rule? Like if we were to say something snippy that would fit into a title of a podcast, like... What would that rule sound like? Oh, yeah. For like transformative, like significant changes in your own life, like don't set tactical goals. Oh, that's a great one. Don't set tactical goals for transformative changes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not, that's never going to happen. It might, but I, again, for me, <laughs> I, I don't want to be saying never. Yeah. You'll get somebody. You convinced me. I'm on board. It's much, I think, much more effective in 
like run experiments, right? Yeah. The tactical goals are for experiments. It can't, you should set tactical goals, but it should be like for the, for this week, I'm going to like try these five things and see, see if they work, right? See what sticks. You've changed my whole outlook on goal setting, Vicky. I, I thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Thank you for, for joining us. If you want to follow Vicky Lynn, you can find her on Twitter and LinkedIn, but she doesn't promise any content. I, on the other hand, I'm trying my best at new content. I am at Diana Kander on Instagram and LinkedIn. And remember, Growth League is much more than a podcast. We have an entire community on Facebook called The Growth League, where you can take part in growth challenges, discuss the show, and meet other amazing like-minded individuals. If you enjoy the show and you want more like it, please make sure that you're subscribed and please do rate the show. If you've got a question that you want us to dive into with one of our future guests, please leave that question in the reviews for the show. I know it's super sneaky, but that's how we're going to get the reviews up. We read every single one and it's the best way to make sure that your questions get answered right away. And then join us every single Monday morning for a weekly dose of inspiration, practical advice, and more than anything, just knowing that you're going through all of this with a community of like-minded people. And remember, our personal and professional growth are inextricably linked because how you do anything is how you do everything. I am Diana Kander, and I hope you have an amazing week. The Growth League is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbanile, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rudder. When the sun goes down at the world's leading business school, the faculty speaks their mind. Harvard professors Young Me, Me Here, and Felix are hosts of After Hours, a podcast from TED. Each week, they catch up after work to dish on topics torn straight from the headlines, from Facebook to free trade or how to buy happiness. Think of it as professors in cars having coffee. This season, holiday travel headaches, chicken sandwich wars, and their big predictions for 2022. Get ahead of the trends and find After Hours wherever you listen.